So again, yeah, the, I mean, the advice, I would say, work on yourself, like be the best that you can be, constantly be growing, pushing, for the sake of service and giving value, right? So not about, um, not making it about yourself, but like, I'm gonna better myself so I can then give more of myself to other people, and that's magnetic. All right, here we go. Today, we're chatting with Nathan Mills from Beyond the Guitar, one of the biggest names in the YouTube guitar community. Nathan, thanks for taking the time. Yes, sir, Josh. It's good to catch up, man. Your main channel turns eight years old this December, and your very first upload was your Star Wars guitar medley. And you posted that on December 18th, 2015. I looked this up. Did you ever think you'd be where you are today, over half a million subscribers? And what were your expectations when you first started the channel? Yeah, gosh, I can't believe eight years. That's crazy. We're getting old, man. Yeah, I feel it. I feel it. (laughs) I went into it very seriously because I was, so I was married. My wife was pregnant at the time because we had our, our first kid in June of 2016. And so um, I knew like, I this wasn't a time for me to just kind of like mess around, right? Like uh, I, I needed to be in a position to provide for my family. And so when I started, the goal was always for it to turn into something. Now, I can't say, I wish I could say I had so much self-belief that I was like, yes, this is going to happen. Uh, I, I did have confidence in the fact that I had a unique, uh, I knew that I could potentially kind of carve out a, a space for myself, kind of a unique niche because um, like seeing what everybody else was doing on YouTube at the, at the time, other guitarists, I felt like with my classically trained background my musicianship and just the style or the genre of music that I wanted to arrange I felt like I was positioned well uh, to offer a lot of value and to stand out but of course yeah I mean I I don't think I was super confident that it was going to pan out as a full-time career and the nature of my YouTube, you know, online career, it was kind of all, all gradual. It all happened in steps. So there wasn't any like grand gestures of like quitting my job and like going all in. When I made that first video, I believe, so I was working at Capital One, just had a full-time just day job. You're a bank teller. Well, I was more fun than that. I was in collections. So I just called people all day telling them they had to pay up. That's tough. That's tough, man. It was rough. Yeah. So, I mean, if there's anything too that like motivates you to keep pushing, because I was like, I don't want to go back there. I left that job when I found a part-time teaching job at a public school where I knew it was going to be a pay cut, but it wouldn't be drastic. Like I would still be making enough money in case nothing started to come of YouTube, but it freed up time to create. And then, 
you know, after doing that for a couple, doing YouTube and that part-time job and teaching privately on the side for a couple of years, then I was able to quit the middle school and just have a heavy private teaching load. And then slowly as that, as YouTube continued to grow, then I was able to take fewer and fewer private students and just focus on the content creation. It was just kind of a gradual uh, phasing out like that. What advice would you give to other guitarists looking to start a YouTube channel today? Yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting game because, I mean, shoot, my channel has seen far better days. I mean, views are just down, like way down. And it seems to be pretty across the board, at least for people who have been in the game for a while and like used to be getting a bunch of views. Like a lot of my buddies that, that were doing this just as long as me or some some of them longer are feeling some of that same that same hurt. Like the guys who were just like mostly just like music videos, right? Like covers, arrangements. Um, it doesn't, you know, I don't know. It doesn't seem to be so much the thing anymore. And I don't really know that this is the part that kills me because I want to help all my buddies out there who are like, you know, trying to get trying to get views again, myself included, or these like newer newer channels and stuff like I want to be able to provide like advice and tactics on like, all right, well, here's how you beat the algorithm. But honestly, like I haven't figured it out yet. Right. In this kind of new landscape, I don't really know what the answer is. But one thing I know that I can do that we all can do is just ultimately like providing value. Like that's really like, that's the key. We get so wrapped up in numbers and like tactics and ooh, like this thing could go viral or ooh, this is the new big game or movie, right? Like in our niche, like, and we sometimes lose sight of the person on the other side of the screen. We're, we're thinking about us and our success and what's gonna get us views. And we're not thinking about like, all right, all that aside, like how can I just give that person value? How could I just absolutely make their day to the point that they wanna keep coming back? Man, that's great advice. I like what you said there. We forget about the person on the other side. Yeah, and that transcends any type of algorithm, any changes in the algorithm. Like if you can provide value, if you're good at what you do, and you provide value, you're gonna find a way. And you're resilient. That's the other thing. Like I used to get so stressed out when the numbers were down, but I've been doing a lot of work, especially this last year on just my mindset and discipline. Honestly, right now, like I am not worried at all. Like I know I'm in this for the long haul. I'm committed. I'm gonna outlast all these guys. Um, because yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm committed to serving people and I know what I have to offer. So again, yeah, the, I mean, the advice I would say, work on yourself, like be the best that you can be, constantly be growing, pushing for the sake of service and giving value, right? So not about, um, not making it about yourself, but like I'm going to better myself so I can then give more of myself to other people. And that's magnetic. There's a guy, a coach that uh, 
I, I follow. And one of the things he says is who, not how. So focus, instead of focusing on like the how of how, how you're going to be successful, what tactic, like just fo- like focus on who you are, like become that guy, become so good, so undeniable, so magnetic, so valuable that people just want to listen to what you have to say. You make their life better just by being exposed to them in some small capacity. Um, and those, the, the beautiful thing about that too, like algorithms, all that, we don't have control over. That is something that we very much so have control over. That's super great advice. You wear a lot of hats. You're a musician, content creator, influencer, teacher, community leader. What takes up the majority of your time these days and how are you able to balance everything? I would say it really varies week to week depending on what the current project is. And that's also kind of how I balance it, meaning kind of there's a lot of like balls juggling in the air and like sometimes that means a video has to be a week or two weeks later than I would like um, if I'm focusing on building out a course or a launch or, you know, things related to that. So it's hard to say like which takes the most time. I mean, the courses, like building out a full course takes an immense amount of work. I bet. But it's it's like for a season. So like right now I'm not currently, uh, well, I'm kind of scripting out still one of the courses that I'm working on. Uh, but this past week, for example, I was just grinding out a new arrangement. So it was like five hours a day practicing this beast and not as much work on the back end of the other stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's kind of a crapshoot as far as which takes the most time, but I just, I have to be flexible on, um, you know, not, not as strict of a content schedule, I think, because of all that stuff. Totally. Do you do everything yourself or do you have someone helping you with things like writing and filming and editing? I don't have any help with the production one of my programs called the practice club i have uh matt fish acoustic ost shout out yeah yeah he's awesome yeah i love that guy he's a community manager and helps me out some like throughout the week in that program like uh we do weekly live streams where live group practice sessions basically and he'll take he'll pick out one of my arrangements like an excerpt from it uh, for us to kind of practice together. And so he handles all that and sends out the emails and things. Other than that, as far as all the production and everything, that's just me. So tell us a little more about the Beyond the Guitar brand. I know you started out as just a guitar cover YouTube channel, but over the years you've branched off more into teaching. And I know you're running quite a few courses like Fingerstyle Journey and Practice Club, Rangers Academy. How hard is it to manage that that many students? The end game was always to be heavy on the teaching. Even when I first started Beyond the Guitar, the goal at first was maybe to teach my arrangements, uh, but then copyright stuff made that more complicated than I was anticipating. And... Um, 
It turns out that making arrangements in YouTube videos, as you know, takes an incredible amount of work. So building out courses and things like that took, took a back seat for years, longer than I had intended. Uh, but back in 2019, I finally got serious about it and I took a course from uh, an, a business coach that I admire on on how to structure something like that. And that really kind of lit a fire under me to finally start building out these these programs and get them out to the world. And I launched the first, the Arrangers Academy in 2020. So yeah, that was always my goal because I, I do have a huge passion for teaching. And honestly, like I, I love the arranging and making beautiful music, but I feel so much more uh, of a tangible impact on people with my teaching. Like that inspires me. That's what pushes and motivates me when I can see the direct impact that I'm having on my students, uh, giving them access to a classically trained teacher that they might not be able to have access to otherwise. Um, like a lot of my colleagues who are amazing guitarists in their own right, yourself included, might not have programs or might not be, I know, you know, some people just aren't interested in teaching or they don't have the, um, the capacity in the, in their schedule to do it. Or sometimes people are just great players and not great teachers. Right. And so like, I knew I had that skill set as well. And so there's also kind of, I felt this like duty as well to, to share that and um, be a, a resource for people. So yeah, I mean, right now I'm, I'm super passionate and full send on that. And really it's like all the YouTube videos, all the music videos and things like that. Again, I love creating those and, and they offer value in their own right. But at the end of the day, it's kind of, it's all meant to be a funnel to direct people like my people, the people that I know I can help into these programs that are best suited for them. Oh, so the goal was always teaching, even from the beginning. You just, it just took you a while to ramp that up. Yeah, I knew, well, at least that was going to be part of it. I knew that was kind of the long game. Teaching was always going to be part of the equation. How much, maybe I didn't know. But like I was teaching private lessons before I started YouTube regularly uh, as well. So, I mean, I'd already been teaching in some capacity for, for years as well. So, I know I think I saw one of your legato exercise videos. You were pumping iron while you were showing us that. <laughs> and some guns there, man. Yeah, I was trying to, trying to, trying to get a little uh, catchy thumbnail there. Uh, yes, I have been, you know, we're getting a little, little something, something there. There we go. I've been working out. Nice. Um, yeah, that's a huge part of it. Um, I dad bought it out big time. Had kids, got busy, got lazy. I mean, there's no excuses. I just got lazy and I got comfortable. And I, I started to feel the impact that had a ripple effect out into every area of my life. Like... <laughs> I, uh, making like making videos, I would like try. To, I'd have to like position myself just right behind the guitar, so like the the love handles weren't like hanging out over the edge because I was so Man. insecure about it. And um, 
And, you know, then, I mean, it goes deeper too. Like, again, as a father, you always want to be like the big strong man for your, for your, for your kids. Like my son, he's young enough. He's seven now. He was six at the time. You know, he was young enough to where he like, he saw me. He's like, dad, you're big and strong. But I knew there was like, it was a a ticking time bomb. I knew there was going to be a time if I didn't change, he's going to get to a certain point where he realizes like, no, dad's not big and strong. He's lazy and weak. And that just broke my heart. Uh, And so that along with many other things, I decided to, yeah, make some serious changes. So I actually joined a coaching program for like fitness and nutrition and a lot of mindset and discipline stuff. There's like early wake up times, working out like six days a week. What time do you wake up every morning? Uh, So for like six months, probably it was like 4.30 pretty consistently. Uh, Lately, I've been lazy on that. Uh, We're in this, I'm going to blame it on the fact that I'm like, we're in this like six week challenge over the summer in this program. We're doing like extra workouts and really just like, really just going hard. And I'm like, I, my body needs a little extra sleep for recovery. That's uh, that's what we're rolling with. So despite what people may want to say, this is kind of like, it's like a cultural, like you got to tread carefully with this. But I do think like your level of fitness it just inherently says something about you. It does. Like there's no, there's there's no way to dance around that gently. If if you're out of shape, I mean that says that you're not willing to do a hard thing consistently over time. And so like people just inherently, when they see that you are physically fit, like they understand. Everybody knows what it takes to get there. And so that that carries some weight. Absolutely. So again, going back to that who, not how, and being the best version of yourself and commanding respect and being somebody that people listen to, I think it's kind of a holistic holistic thing. I think we're also in a very unique position as guitarists and musicians. Like, we know the long game. We know... uh, we're we're masters at delayed gratification because we know we, we we sit there and rep it out play the same you know same measure hundreds of times yeah to really nail it right and so if we can leverage that into other areas of our lives leverage that same discipline we we can crush it yeah there is a lot of correlation there we do we do know as guitarists we we know what it's like to suffer over a piece. I mean, just to get to where we are takes years, takes decades. Yeah. Any books that you've read in the last year that have helped you change your lifestyle? Yeah, there was, um, again, part of this coaching group, I was doing a lot of reading. It's also like, it's like a workout men's group book club, like kind of all the above. That's cool, man. Yeah. There were some, there were some good, some like stoic philosophy stuff actually that really hit hard for me. So, um, one of them was how to think like a Roman emperor, how to think like a Roman emperor. I forgot the author, but he's, I I believe a, like a psychologist and he was kind of combining like the writings of Marcus Aurelius and this 
Stoic philosophy, Stoicism with kind of modern psychology. I mean, how you can kind of uh, apply Donald Robinson those principles to just modern Robertson. day. Yeah. 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 Okay, I'm gonna add that one to my list. If Beyond the guitar reads it, I want to read it too. Yeah, let's get it. Uh, I recently finished "Can't Hurt Me" by David Goggins. I've been really into him mm. lately. I don't know if that's made it to your yeah, I read to your that. club, but uh, okay, yeah, that one that one really changed the way that I look at at life. I think for the first time, I feel a permanent change versus just a stroke of motivation. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's great. I think what I struggle with sometimes with books is that like there's so much, you're getting like so much information and it's almost like overwhelm and you almost end up not doing anything. So I try to kind of make it my goal. I take notes as I'm reading these books, but then I try to like take, if I can take one thing from this book and like apply it to my life or like meditate on it or like one key takeaway from this book that, um, that is really like going to impact my life in a positive way, then I call that a win. So yeah, kind of like what you're saying with David Goggins, I feel like the overall theme with him is like, there's always more that we can give. For the how to think like a Roman emperor, one of the key takeaways was this idea that it's not the thing itself that causes us the most pain or the most stress or the most anxiety. It's our perception of that thing. So how that plays out, like I, I was able to tie that directly into, let's go back to like the YouTube game. It's not the video that I upload that gets terrible views. It's not just that at face value that causes me the most stress. It's what I do with that information. It's how I kind of catastrophize from that information. I take it and then I spiral and I'm like, oh my goodness, well, this is the end. My career is over. Everybody hates me. What's What am I going to do? How am I going to feed my family, right? Uh, and so if we can let go, if we can like stop it at the ground level and not build these extra stories around these things and just recognize, oh, that video didn't perform well and then move on. Like same thing with just like physical pain. We can like, you know, you get a pain in your chest or something, you'd be like, oh, that's it. I'm dying. I'm out of here. It's my time. Heart attack. I'm gone. Assuming it's not actually a heart attack, but right. Like, let's say it's just like, you know, whatever cramp or something. Like if you just acknowledge it for what it is, oh, like I'm a little sore or my chest hurts. Like we don't have to build these elaborate, horrible scenarios around all these just objective things. I think it's important to kind of think about what we value, what attributes we value in a person, and then just straight up making a choice to be that person and to do that thing that we admire. So a trait that lots of, like I would say across the board, we generally admire is that again, resilience. Like, yeah. If I see somebody who's like just been like crushed, like kicked in the nuts over and over again with a 10 out of 10 video over and over, and he just like takes a breath, gets the guitar, 
and gets right back to work, like unfazed, works harder than ever, I'm like, man, that guy is a badass. So your Fortnite dance video blew up, that very first one. I mean, the top three have 13 million, 8 million, three and a half million, but it's been almost five years since your last one. Why don't you do more of them? That is a good question. So <clears throat> I realized pretty quickly that when the when the first Fortnite video went viral and I ended up putting out another video, the, the views did not translate very well. My subscribers like blew up, but I didn't see a proportionate change in my viewership for my next video, meaning a ton of those new subscribers were not watching my non-Fortnite stuff. Uh, and so then eventually I was like, all right, well, let me reel him back in. And I did another one, a Fortnite part two. And then that got great views. Um, and then those people, I also was getting comments pretty much on every non-Fortnite video for the few people that did, you know, come and watch it. They were like, where's the next Fortnite video? Like whatever. Um, and so after the third one, I realized, and this is where, again, kind of the danger of like trying to make sure you go viral for the right reasons, like make sure that it actually like you're reaching your people, which to be fair, I thought I was because it still fit in my niche, like is video game music. Um, I played Fortnite, so it wasn't just jumping on a bandwagon. Uh, I actually... I liked the game. I had like, you know, knowledge of all that, like the dance stuff. Like I, I already knew everything like that was going on in the game. Um, but it, I, I think Fortnite's audience skews really young for the most part. And they're not interested in, they're not like gamers uh, as a whole. I think they're like a lot of just young kids who are like, they play Fortnite and that's it. Maybe Roblox, mm -hmm. And Minecraft, right? Like, um, so they just weren't interested in my other stuff. And then I started to, to realize like that was actually potentially hurting me. And I think honestly, to this day, it's still hurting my channel because it kind of blew up my subscriber base with a bunch of people who won't click on my videos because they're not interested. They only subscribed for that Fortnite content. Now, obviously, there was a percentage of those people who were also interested in other stuff, but, um, and so basically, kind of to, to not further perpetuate that problem, I decided I was never going to do another Fortnite video because I didn't want to be stuck, like having to like feed that beast. Um, I wanted to make sure I was reaching my people. So even if it meant getting less views, there's also something to be said about the quality of the view and the quality of your audience, right? Like I wanted to reach people that were invested and that really, um, that really were kind of sold on what I was doing and appreciated the guitar and music as a whole, um, rather than they just wanted me to be like a dancing monkey who would just churn out Fortnite videos for them whenever they want. <laughs> right. 
I know this video didn't technically go viral, but your sad version of the Friends theme was actually used mm. on the Friends reunion episode on HBO. What was that like? That was yeah, that was really cool. I, I think that was cool, way way cooler even than the viral. And the, the thing about it, I don't know where it stands now, view wise, but when they reached out for it to be used, like it really did not have very many at all. Like I, I, at least as far as my viewership goes, I chalked that up as like a failed video. It's got about a hundred k. Yeah, so it probably got a bunch. Uh, it got a bunch after with people searching it up. And so I, I made a video about that actually, kind of talking about how that's one of the beauties of YouTube and putting yourself out there is like you can have a video that seems like a failed video, like a 10 out of 10, but it's out there forever. It's evergreen. Exactly. And you don't know, eventually, maybe, like I've had also where just randomly, like I couldn't tell you why, but randomly a video just took off years later sometimes. Um, so like that can happen or just little opportunities can come or big opportunities can come from these quote, like failed videos like this friends video. Um, and so I think that's also an important thing to remember, like we're building these catalogs and we have to think bigger picture uh, rather than like, oh, this video is a failure. Like, no, this we're building something here. Again, even if it's slow, you're gonna find some dedicated fans, we'll call them, who, who like wanna binge all your stuff. And the more stuff you have, the better. Um, anyway, so yeah, that was super cool. Cause my wife, yeah, my wife is a huge Friends fan. And so when I got the email first, I thought it was made like a scam. Of course. But yeah. then I like looked, I looked into the person and like it, I found like they actually worked for, you know, whatever Warner or something. Um, and I, I told my wife and she like, she freaked out. Of course, then she started to try. She's like, oh, you should negotiate to like say they have to fly us out and, and like meet the cast. I was like, I don't think I have that uh, that pull. Um, That's so funny. But also the the messy part of all that, too, was that they could never they told me for whatever reason, I don't know how this industry works, but they told me they couldn't confirm whether or not they were actually going to use my track okay. until after it aired. So you didn't know until you saw the episode? No. And I was like, don't tell people. Of course, my wife had told like all like our friends, family, everybody at our church. And so everybody was asking me about it. I was like, if they, they might not even use it. And then I'm just going to feel like an idiot. <laughs> uh, but so we got up early the morning that it aired and we were just like listening and they, they told me, like, if it was to happen, it's going to happen, like, at this kind of moment. It was going to be, like, at a moment where um, Jennifer Aniston and whoever plays Ross um, were having, like, an emotional conversation. And so, like, we got to this point where, like, oh, I think, like, this is this must be the moment they were talking about. And I was like, oh, no. They, I heard it was like a cheesy piano track, like some random generic piano thing playing in the background. I was like, ah, oh, well, that's it. Uh -huh. But then sure enough, like a couple minutes later. Hey, 
it was a situation that we couldn't. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, so anyway, yeah, it it was super cool. So do you are you are you do you get royalties anytime that episode? No, I airs? get nothing. I I even joked like they paid me like pennies, like probably. Com- I I joked like. Um, to some of my buddies, I was like, that, that lady probably like laughed, like turned to her, like cubicle mate was like, you won't believe what I just got this sucker to agree to. Cause like, I didn't want to like, it seemed like they were lowballing me, but I also was like, I don't, I don't have any leverage here. This, I don't even own, like, this is a cover. This is an arrangement. They could make me just take the YouTube video down if they wanted to. Yeah. So I was like, do I have any ground to, like, negotiate? Right. And at the end of the day, I was like, I just want, it was cooler to me to have it happen and to be able to, like, talk about it, have this story or... I don't know, put it on a, on a, I don't know what kind of, if it gives me any like street cred or anything, but. You got street cred, <laughs> you have street cred. So just having it happen was worth more than the paycheck to me. But no, yeah, I barely made any money off of that and definitely no royalties. I didn't even, I um, I thought maybe they'd like put me in the credits or something, but I didn't even get put in the credits or anything like that. Wow. We have no rights as cover musicians, as guitarists, man. We are just pawns. It's corporate fat cats, man. Trying to keep the little guy down. <laughs> have you ever been recognized in public? Uh, no. No, I haven't. I, has, has anybody asked for your autograph? <laughs> I wish. That would make my day. No, I think I look too generic, too, part of it. Like, also, like, I, I, on the grand scheme of things, my like my audience isn't that big. Um, like if I hung around certain circles, like I went to the Nam show, uh, a few years ago, I feel like if I went there like enough, like if you don't know, it's like a big music convention. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if I went to enough of that, like eventually, like probably somebody would be like, uh, um, cause there were definitely like other YouTubers and stuff that I saw there that I was like, uh, I like went to like. Uh, to meet them but uh yeah i don't know i think i'm just like i just look like i'm like a white guy with a beard i don't know man you're the Fortnite guy well maybe yeah maybe i needed to wear the blue wig then then some of the at least some of the if you go to a comic con somebody's gonna know you some of the nine-year-olds some of the nine-year-olds would have recognized me at least i know sam griffin does i don't know if he does comic con but he does he does some convention where he, in the past, he's played there because that's I guess that's a big you know hit one of his big bases because he he does you know, tons yeah. of video game covers. You ever done something like that? Um, no, I never. I honestly, I don't love performing. Mm. Yeah, like I know, like when he talks about he's like he does these little like, I guess he does some like straight up tours and stuff sometimes too, right? Yeah, he tours with his buddy Stephen. I saw them actually out here in LA last year. Oh, nice. They were touring on the West Coast. Yeah. They're pretty good. Yeah, they they they're tight. They sound great. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Sammy G, he could play. Yeah, he's he's got it. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I don't I don't love performing. So for me it's like a if I have to kind of a thing. It stresses me out more than anything. How many songs you got right now in your repertoire? If you could pick up the guitar right now and play. Like half, maybe half half of a song. <laughs> like I'm not even I'm not even I'm not even I'm not even joking. Yeah, it's like it's like I 
because I don't kind of going back to like all the hats that I wear, like I, I have to be very strategic with my time. And so to me, um, I memorize stuff quickly. So like I memorize my arrangements really quickly and I forget them just as quickly if I don't actively maintain them. Oh yeah. And so it just takes work to maintain them. I could, but then it's like, for what purpose? Cause I'm not performing, I'm not gigging. So that time is better spent than just, just moving on right to the next thing. Totally. Um, so I don't recommend that for like, like for my students. I have like three, I could play three songs. Yeah. I mean, and really that's Two the best songs, way. Maybe. It's like, cause it does, it doesn't feel great to be like, you know, a professional guitarist who like, I mean, I could like mess my way through stuff, but I don't have anything really actively memorized except for my last like arrangement that I'm already forgetting, you know? So, um, yeah, it's the best strategy is, yeah, the best, the best strategy is what, is what you're doing. It's like, at least just maintain like a couple. Um, I don't know. I don't feel like that's much of an accomplishment, you know, a hundred arrangements later and I can play maybe two songs. That's, I, I feel, I feel like such a fraud, you know, we just, we, we arrange a tune, we practice it, we record it and we forget it and it's gone, you know? And it's like, damn, that's the video is the only proof that you ever could play it. Right. And even then it's, you know, spliced together takes and it's still smoke and mirrors. Yeah. It's a sham. <laughs> I think you just got to own it. It's all like what your goals are. Like, again, going back to other people, right? Like, if this isn't about me and this is about uh, the the people who listen to my music, it serves them better if I don't spend an hour or more of my day maintaining this repertoire because that means they're going to get more music. I can spend that time giving them more music or creating more stuff for them. Uh it, I guess if I was like, if I was live streaming, like, you know, like that's one reason actually why I used to in the early YouTube days, there was an app in my early YouTube days. I, tr- I jumped on this app that was like Twitch, but just for music. It was like a live streaming app dedicated just for music called Crew. And uh, I mean, again, that's a whole conversation in and of itself, but I was live streaming regularly several times a week and it stressed me out a lot because I was like, I have to like maintain. It's like, this isn't just like, like if I was like a singer songwriter or something and it was like, ah, you know, I would see people that would do that and they'd have a set of like 200 songs that people could just pick and choose from uh, and, and make requests for. I was like, I can't, there's not enough time in the day to maintain that repertoire, you know, of all my arrangements. So Yeah, it's definitely a give and take. It's like build your live repertoire or or create a library of, of arrangements. It's very difficult to do both, almost impossible considering the time it takes. Yeah. Where do you see our niche, specifically the guitar cover niche on YouTube over the next five to ten years, let's say? Are you are you positive? Are you negative? Are you half full or are you half empty? Mm. Well, I always want to be positive. So I'm positive. What it's going to look like, I don't know. I think it is going to require flexibility and evolution, which is something that I haven't been great at because I'm still pretty much, other than adding 
uh, other than all the teaching stuff, I'm still pretty much doing the same thing that I did when I first started, like making the making the arrangements, making the music videos. I, I'm doing it at a higher level, better production. I've learned a lot, but it's still more or less the same thing. And it does seem like it's you know not not the game anymore, for whatever reason. Like I've tried to kind of speculate if it's if it's just with short form content, like vertical content coming more and more into the into the forefront, if that's impacted it. Honestly, I've thought like culturally even, I'm like, all right, well maybe like the streaming wars where we're just inundated with shows and movies all the time. It's more like quantity over quality. It's less of an event when a new like thing comes out and that thing having music attached to it. So maybe even that's been part of what's changed, right? Like a new video game comes out or a new movie comes out. Like There's just so much content out there. Yeah, so it's like less, It's there's less hype or, less, or a smaller window of hype to then capitalize. Cause that was a big part of my growth was like jumping on the new video game, jumping on the new movie, uh, jumping on the new show. And um, so it seems like the channels that are doing the best are the channels that have always or, or heavily invested in the more kind of how-to instructional um, and more like personality driven like guitar channels as well. Because I do think that's that's one thing that those of us who are just putting out music videos we suffer uh, because people aren't at, like sure they're invested in our playing but they're not like they might like our style uh, and our tone whatever what it makes our playing unique but it's still kind of there's a little bit of a disassociation between that and like us like they can't necessarily relate and connect to us as as people and so that's definitely something I've been thinking about like um, trying, like, I, I, I don't know. I'm not committing to exactly when, but I got some equipment. Like I'm going to do some, start doing some form of like day in the life, like vlog type things, um, which vlogs are also not like vlogging used to be the cool thing. That's not so much anymore. So that also might be a bust, but I think the key is, uh, experimenting and trying different things. Cause there is a balance. We talked about resilience, so there is something to be said about not like at keeping your head down and, and committing, but also, yeah, we need to be smart. And like, if we're just doing the same thing forever and it's just not working, we do need to be smart about it and, and pivot and adjust and um, be willing to, to try things and then stick with those things for a while and not just do, I'm bad at this too. I'll do like, I'll do one, maybe I'll do one vlog and then be like, well, that didn't take off. And then stop. Uh, but also, again, if I'm going to do the vlogs, it's going to be through the lens of providing value. It's not going to be like, look at me. Here's what I do a day. It's all going to be like through the lens of, all right, how can this instruct or serve, educate, inspire somebody watching this? And so, again, I think that's always the, the lens that we need. Whatever content we're making, that needs to be at the, the forefront. What value is this providing them?
Yeah, I really dug the uh, the vlog style videos you did on your second channel. You were doing like a 10 or 12 tips or something like that. But, you know, you, you gave the tips in different settings. You were brushing your teeth in one uh, scene. Yeah. You were eating breakfast in another, making coffee in another. And those are really engaging. And you took a lot of good pages out of other creators' books by always changing scene, changing context, and really helped keep uh, I just remember that video specifically kept my attention all the way through. And I was like, wow, I could totally see how, you know, someone would enjoy watching this. And in my back of my mind, I was like, I'm, I want to do a video like that someday. must have been tough to film, I would imagine. But that was awesome. Yeah, that took forever. Um, but yeah, I do. I, it was fun. Like I, And you can be, that's the cool thing too, is when you branch out outside of music videos, it opens up this whole world of creativity as well, where I have always, I, I've gotten to the point where I do feel kind of boxed in. If it's just like, just a music video, you are limited. There's not only so much that you can do. Yeah. Um, especially as a one-man show, if you're not doing some crazy production. But yeah, I don't know. To, to answer your question, I would just say, I think, I think channels that, and that that really invest in giving value, teaching things, like those are always going to be the the channels that thrive, uh, or at least set themselves up to thrive. So my advice is always to like at least supplement your content with stuff that's that's teaching, that's elevating people's lives who are watching it. Beyond just again, music does elevate our lives, but also giving them real con concrete ways that like. This, you can take this, this knowledge and this experience and apply it to your life and your life will be better. How can we become more of a personal brand, basically? I'm not just a musician. Like, I am a personal brand and, like, people can connect and relate to me and they're invested in me. Again, not just because it's about me, but because I can help them improve their lives I can help inspire them. I can help, you know, educate them. Whatever, whatever that may be. You have to go. You have to go beyond the guitar. Is what I'm hearing. One might say, yeah. One might say <laughs> that you need to go beyond. A little young Nathan, eight years ago, he he knew. He you just, did. You just knew. Didn't see it. You were clairvoyant. So now, when I when I pivot and w once I get fully. Uh, once the transformation is complete and I go full fitness influencer, nobody can give me a hard time because I was make like, a third channel. Hey, it's, beyond, it's been beyond the guitar from the beginning. That's right. Right? So you get, I, I can do whatever I want. You, re you really can. That's awesome, man. I really appreciate your time. Yes, brother. Thanks for answering all my questions. This was, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, dude. It's, it's, it's an honor. I love what you're doing, man. Thank you, man. Keep it up. All right, I guess that's a wrap, huh?